You're listening to the Career Coach Podcast, bringing you information, lived experiences and all-round career conversation. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Career Coach Podcast. I am your host, Sharisha, and as always, I am joined by a special guest. So today, I would like to welcome to the show, Dorcas. (laughs) (laughs) So how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um... Obviously, it's like a it's a weird time, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing well. Yeah. So, can you introduce yourself and what you do for a career? Um, so, my name is Dorcas Magbadolo, and I am an illustrator. Um, so, my illustration brand is called Dorcas Creates. Um, so, I basically illustrate black women, black girls, mainly sometimes black men, but it's mainly women and just put that across lots of different types of products like cards and notebooks and pins and badges and bags just basically throwing black women (laughs) on everything that I can and like what what, what, how did you discover your your gift and your talent for illustration I think I've always like been like creative crafty arty like art was always my favorite subject at school art and textiles but I didn't really think of like an art career I don't know I just kind of felt like you know when you're like studying artists at school and they're like you know Van Gogh was just so passionate he cut off his hair and I was like I'm not that passionate (laughs) I'm not gonna cut off any body parts (laughs) because of you know uh, my passion for this thing but it kind of felt like this thing that wasn't within my grasp so I didn't really think that I could pursue a career in art so I leaned more towards fashion because that looked more attainable and I didn't even end up going into fashion <laughs> in the end. It was sort of like a roundabout way uh, my career path took. But yeah, I was just always like making stuff, baking, knitting, sewing, drawing, doing something. Yeah. And when you said that you didn't see it as being obtainable, is that due to the lack of um, seeing people that looked like you doing this kind of thing? Like you didn't see any kind of role models or anybody? Um, yes and no. I think it was more like, I just didn't, um, yeah, I d- there wasn't anyone I knew who was a professional artist. There wasn't anyone I knew who, I didn't even know you could be <clears throat> like an illustrator. I didn't know what that was. Um, I didn't know that you could, that like after art school, you could have a professional career like that. I kind of felt like it was either luck of the draw or, you know, you your parents were artists so you became an artist I didn't really I didn't know about like graphic design I didn't know um, about children's book illustration I didn't know that there was there's all these other elements of um, how you could make a career from your creativity Um, and obviously when we were growing up there wasn't there was MSN Messenger (laughs) it was like MySpace but there wasn't social media as it was as it is now yeah, so it was yeah. a lot harder to get information. I'm, I grew up on uh, those, uh, what are they called? Those encyclopedias, those like really massive. Oh, yeah, red... yeah, that shows our age. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that shows our age. And magazines, I got a lot of my... agents, you know, sometimes yeah. you can buy those weekly magazines and you get like, I don't know if you're trying to bake or something and you kind yeah. of, kind of, it was, that was it really. Yeah. That's where most of my info came from. So it was obviously like slightly outdated until you know we got to like using the internet more and more and more but yeah I just didn't know um so this whole journey has just been sort of 
figuring out that there's so much that I can do and just not setting like a limitation on myself yeah and we'll talk on that later actually because that's quite interesting when because you know that's like you're being a pioneer basically because especially if in your household family friends there's nobody doing the same thing as you you're having to craft a journey that you don't Mm. even have like a blueprint from anybody else obviously everyone's journey is completely different however Mm. the fact that you made mention of there was no resources to look to like social media like now if I typed in like a a hashtag or something it could link me to someone's page and I might come across like yourself and I might dm you and say oh how did you get into it whereas then like you said before and MySpace is very American for me and it was more if you was into Mm. music yeah that's true like it wasn't I didn't really see it in terms of like other industries I just thought if you're an artist it was a platform to put out music and it was at the time it was a lot of Americans or then it became like a dating thing and whatever sort of thing but (laughs) yeah so we'll talk on that a bit later but in terms of you know you mentioned that you um wanted to do fashion but you didn't get into it so after college what what or in college like what did what did you study like what started to kind of craft and shape your your journey going forward so sixth form I did like A levels and um it was quite spread out my subjects because I was interested in a lot of different things okay so it was like uh it was law English language textiles and business studies and I think my favorite subject was obviously textiles because it was just could it was just really fun um and there was a lot of things that we could experiment with and then after that I had yeah my plan was to study fashion become a fashion designer show at London Fashion Week all of that stuff (laughs) um (laughs) and then I guess the transition from A levels to uni is just so huge there's a lot of stuff we talk about now that we didn't really talk about back then how Mm -hmm. difficult it is to go from like you know a, a, a small school where there's 100 people in the sixth form and then all of a sudden you're at a huge university with loads of other people and you're not you're not priority anymore you can't just like go and talk to this lecturer because you know you're one of hundreds and hundreds Mm -hmm. of students you're not um you're not priority and then obviously the jump in terms of like the knowledge and the skill level yeah going from you know a few subjects I mean A-levels are intense compared to like GCSEs but then jumping um, to uni I found that quite difficult and just like the objectivity of like studying creative subjects it was a bit all of a sudden getting feedback and it didn't seem always seem as helpful as you know when I get it from my teachers before mm-hmm. or yeah I struggled um, definitely I did a foundation in art and design and that wasn't too bad um, that was fun just trying lots of different techniques that was at London College of Fashion in the yeah. campus in, uh, it was near Mayor Street, it was in Hackney. And it was just really fun being in that area and meeting lots of different types of people. And that is quite quirky, like in terms yeah. of and yeah, you get a lot of different walks of life, people from different yeah. life, yeah. And I was, for that year, I wasn't living at home. I was staying with a family friend who lived closer because okay. I was living in Thamesmead at that time. And oh yeah, that's far yeah <laughs> that commute <laughs> no <laughs> they say Croydon's far Thamesmead is quite far yeah it is yeah. so yeah it was um I did struggle that year and then but I still like pushed through past and then thought you know I'm going to try for a degree in fashion and keep going but the the first year of my degree was was again just really difficult and there was like other stuff going on um a friend of mine had passed away and it was just it was a lot yeah. So I just 
I sat my parents down and I was like, I'm not happy. I'm not doing well. I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like, I, I need to drop this course. It's just not, it's, it's just not happening for me. And they were like, at the time, like obviously they'd encourage like creative pursuits, but it was very much, you should have studied law. <laughs> you should have studied Where accounting. Where are your parents from? Like, where's your family background? Um, I'm Nigerian. I'm Yoruba. Okay. So that's a big deal yeah. then, isn't it? Culturally. Yeah. Like, teacher, lawyer, like doctor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was very much that. And I was like, okay. Because at the time I was like, even though I'm, I was creative, I felt like, I never felt like I couldn't do anything else. I was quite happy like I could have studied English I could have studied history I could have studied law I as well as the fashion like I was very open to lots of different things so when they were like okay you now you have to you can take a bit of a break like a few months obviously I think I stopped the course in like quite early it was I think it was like May or something mm-hmm. um and they were like but by September you need to be on another course yeah um so I applied to a few like accounting and finance courses and I got into a finance um degree and yeah that's what my degree is <laughs> basically finance and it was fine but it just wasn't as like I guess inspiring as mm-hmm. obviously the fashion course was it's just difficult because one is more sort of they're both very difficult in different ways yeah you miss a week of like I don't know the derivatives or a stocks and bonds lecture and <laughs> so lost (laughs) because it was a lot but yeah after that I didn't I think I kind of knew that I didn't necessarily want to get into working in finance because I'm I'm a very like I like to work with my hands I like to work with things that are real that are tangible yeah and the financial markets it was just glorified gambling to me yeah yeah yeah, it was interesting to learn about it, but I was like, no, nah, I don't want to work in this industry. <laughs> so, um, just to go off a bit t- off tangent a little bit then. So you don't ever want to do any kind of investments, do um, trading, nothing like that. That doesn't interest you. I don't know. I mean, we'll we'll see how it goes, like in terms of, you know, yeah, how I feel. Um, like if my pension pot is looking a bit, looking a bit sad, <laughs> then um, yeah, I'll probably get back into it. But mm. I don't know I just I just want to make money from my own work (laughs) something that I've like put time and energy and effort and love into yeah I mean I I have I know people that have like made a lot of money doing that and that's great but that's yeah that's just not my path yeah at the moment yeah I, I, I hear you I think that's something that it's not um how do I put it I think it doesn't feel normal sometimes to believe that you can make money off of something that feels just fun I think that's yeah because if you if you I don't know for you I'm just talking about my own like social circle if I really ask someone like do you feel like you're doing something that makes you really really happy I think majority of people would probably say no there's elements of their job that you know the day goes by and it's not stressful but mm-hmm. I don't know many people that are genuinely saying to me I love my job mm-hmm. you know and I think that's quite sad at the same time and I know that I've also gone through that struggle hence why I decided to go back to school at a later age because I just was like this can't be life like it's just not (laughs) like this cannot be it until you get old Um, and hence why I wanted to do the podcast as well because I think it just wanted to empower people to understand that yeah there there are are alternative industries that maybe you might have not thought of like yourself you didn't know how you could make money being an illustrator or an artist so 
Um, mm. Yeah, I think it's important for us. But I, I, I think the narrative needs to be pushed more that genuinely, if as long as you got the right resources and the tools and the information, you can tap into your like your passions, your natural talents, and cultivate a career from it. But I think, mm. um, I guess the journey of that because it's it's not known. Like when you think of if you look at careers and the working work world jumping into a nine to five you've got security you know that okay on the 26th of every month I'm getting paid and I think because that seems like the ecosystem that we're in it just often seems that those people that are making money that are self-employed it just seems like there's they're far and few between not many people could say they proper know a person that's probably like really built a leverage of riches in you know so many different fields that it could be even just like I don't know someone that owns like a a nut factory or Mm -hmm. I think we look at certain industries as like they're really on a high a higher platform like you know musicians sports yeah those kind of you, know, <clears throat> you say to someone oh yeah I, I've got like a manufacturing company and I, and I manufacture bottled water I don't think most people don't know these everyday things that we're drinking and using in our house someone's like literally enjoying their life yeah. their best life off of these basic things but we're always quick to run to businesses and industries that I don't know seem a bit more like glamorous and I think people need to yeah. be a bit mindful of that that there's we're consumers of so many things like have you ever thought what about toothpaste toothbrushes deodorant like there's just so many things you get what I'm saying and you could actually make a lot of money off of it so yeah it's quite it's quite important to to try and like look beyond the norm if that makes Mm. sense sort of thing it's tough because like I think like with work like just with like a normal like nine to five I don't necessarily think that you have to feel like fulfilled in it if it's like if it's paying your bills it's putting Mm -hmm. food on the table that's important but it shouldn't like it shouldn't take away from you either I think that's the issue like a lot of people are in jobs not necessarily that they're not you know fulfilling their life's purpose or I don't think you have to love your job but your job shouldn't make you feel like crap it shouldn't make you um Mm -hmm. be scared to go into work in the morning it shouldn't make you unhappy your manager shouldn't, you know, treat you um, unfairly. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think that's the issue with a lot of jobs as they are now. They're just not. It's like, yeah, they don't care about their workforce. Yeah, yeah. I, they I, want you to come in with all this passion and energy, and they they're giving you peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, fine. This what I'm doing is paying my bills, but it shouldn't make me sick like physically mentally mm-hmm. it shouldn't make you sick but it is yeah it's, it's difficult because with this as well even though it's something that I enjoy doing sometimes I'm like oh, this is hard yeah, you know. <laughs> it's a lot to like create a career or something that you're passionate about can take the passion away a lot of times because it's just so much energy and work and I'm like sometimes I just want to draw I don't want to think about like the admin or like all the other behind the scenes stuff that go that go along with it yeah but it's just I'm kind of stuck in it now (laughs) I can't imagine doing anything else so it's fine I'm in it for the long haul but what you said about not making you feel sick I think yeah that's a hundred percent I agree from my own experiences where jobs have made me burn out and then it's yeah. like, oh yeah, it's like some like in your thirties. Sometimes th- that's the kind of stage where you've probably found a career that you like more than when you're in your twenties. Maybe you know that you pick up jobs just to kind of make money. You want to buy a car mm-hmm. or certain things that you wanted to do because you were in that stage. But then when you start getting to your like mid or late twenties, you start thinking actually I need a better job, a proper job, salary, 
then mm-hmm. you end up going into the world of work and you're actually like oh wow is this is this what it's really like, like <laughs> yeah quite sad but like you said it's not because you have to necessarily love the job but it's it even takes away your energy that when you get home you don't even have time to do the thing that you might enjoy even if it's a hobby yeah. you're just mm-hmm. so physically tired that you're just mm-hmm. like I want to go to bed and then it's like it becomes a cycle which is really unfortunate but in terms of like your like marketing your business and yourself what tools have you used then to like build your you know your following and getting mm-hmm. your business seen and stuff like that mainly social media um like mainly instagram instagram as it was a few years ago not as it is kind of now <laughs> but yeah mainly instagram um i was on tumblr for a while oh, and yeah, that was sort tumblr. of <laughs> yeah r.i.p tumblr <laughs> Was it um? Is it like Pinterest? I can't remember it properly. It was like so. You would have your Tumblr page, like your blog, and then you could follow lots of other Tumblr pages, and then there okay, was like a dashboard yes. where you'd get like a feed of all the pages that you followed and all the stuff that they'd posted. Yeah, it was actually quite similar in terms of you could search hashtags and things like that. Yeah, I was on. Yeah, Tumblr was really good just for um, connecting with lots of different people. And just it was where I sort of got the idea to like when I first started illustrating, I was sort of I was drawing everyone. I wasn't just drawing specifically black women. Mm-hmm. And then like a lot of the blogs that I was following on Tumblr were like fashion blogs um, and like fashion model blogs. So there was like models of color. I think that was a Tumblr blog that I was following for a while. There was like black female models, black male models. And then after a while, I was just thinking like, I don't really want to draw anyone else. <laughs> And like when I was looking at what I could put my illustrations on, it just made sense to, I just saw that there wasn't enough of like greeting cards or stuff like that with black people on them, like illustrations of black people. Mm -hmm. There were a few that I would see in like Clinton's and stuff, but it wasn't sort of like trendy or what I thought that I would want to give my friends or what they would want from me. And then just when I would do like events, just meeting people, talking to people, like making those connections in person, um, I found that really helpful. And then just being sort of as myself as I could be on social media, because I know a lot of some founders like don't like to put themselves on social, which I can understand. But for me, it didn't make sense for me to not sort of be the face of the brand so I had to find a way to make sure that I'm being like genuine, authentic, but at the same time, I'm you know you don't know like the ins and outs of like my private life. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you don't need to know that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very boring, but you still don't need to know it. So yeah, just making sure that there's boundaries is really important. Yeah, I think that's yeah. key when you think of personal branding and just even branding for your business. It's mm-hmm. being able to know: am I a personality in terms of? you know, what I do show about my personal life, does it make sense to the brand that yeah. I'm putting forward? Or like you said, because mm-hmm. you, you have products, you talking about your relationship, it's not rele- relevant to your business. Whereas in maybe yeah. some people that maybe influence in different categories, they yeah. might feel like everyday lifestyle, vlogging, that kind of thing, showing what they get up to. And even then they might not even put those personal um, details into what they're doing yeah it just really has to make sense and I think sometimes that's an area that 
needs to be thought about before you just put posting on social media because once it's out there it's like even if you delete it maybe someone else has already got access yeah people are so fast (laughs) (laughs) to like keep receipts (laughs) literally and I saw even the other day I was looking on um IG and I saw someone um say they know that they created this hack where it's like I don't okay they didn't create it but they were just saying sharing a hack that you can trick your friends to thinking that someone famous has dm'd you so it was just a really and I just thought is this really like would I like this is how people are getting into trouble like they're actually putting messages and then it makes it look like this person messaged them and then the bit that they actually messaged first is is deleted and I just like okay this is crazy like this is (laughs) this is not the social media that I think I would want to promote even mm. if I was like a content creator or something. And I just thought, yeah, this is how people are getting lawsuits and stuff like that. So yeah, personal branding and your kind of like business branding. And I speak about that with clients as well. Even when you're online and you're looking for a job or career, it's so important to make sure that if your IG is, you know, you like going out and dressing up and having fun with your your friends and doing your thing, maybe pri- like private your page, especially if you're working in certain industries, yeah. like financial services and stuff you think of the high-end clients that they work with they might not want to know that one of their employees Facebook page or something gets seen by a client and it kind of wrecks the um the image of the company and that yes some people will argue but what I do in my personal life is my personal life but in reality this is the workplace and this is the environment that we're in so you mentioned about like you started then transitioning your art into like more like black women and and so Mm -hmm. forth even that decision was that difficult for you because I know for because our, our we're similar like similar age um the transition for our generation in terms of like promoting more blackness online it, it was a bit more of a struggle than it probably is now it's a bit more comfortable now because I know that sometimes even just saying I'm promoting black art black owned you know we've seen all the kind of um, debates online and there's people saying it causes segregation and stuff so did you mm-hmm. think in your mind oh this is going to box me in in terms of my business and my branding and the type of clients or customers I'm going to have. Not even um, that didn't even cross my mind because I was looking at other um, illustrators and they do exactly the same thing, but they just don't, they don't say, Oh, I'm illustrating blondes because I want to empower blondes. They just do it (laughs) because they can, or like they just draw plant because they can. And because no one's ever questioned it. Yeah. Um, So I just thought, these people can you know they just draw whatever they want and what I want to draw is black women so that's what I'm gonna do but I was conscious of I know how like certain industries work and how you know it's okay for a you know a white artist to only draw white people and no one will bat an eyelid Mm -hmm. and their work will be featured everywhere and no one will say well why don't you draw you know Asian people as well as you know the white people that you draw no one would ever say that to them yeah whereas for me I knew that I wouldn't be as well at the time I thought I I probably wouldn't be as commercial but that's okay because I don't want to like compromise what I want to do just to be more um, commercially successful I knew that I could I can be successful only drawing black women and like staying true to what I want to do and what I value so yeah it wasn't really a problem for me because I just thought if someone can build a career for drawing avocados I don't see why I can't build a career for drawing black women like true yeah I think for the black community 
there's that whole notion of as well like some you know us supporting each other supporting Mm. businesses and I think sometimes that's maybe what people think about when they are faced with with the decision to be more commercial they're probably Mm. thinking am I going to make money because ultimately Mm. we all have bills to pay we all want to live a certain lifestyle and it's not that you don't want to be true to your your own or yourself or you know promoting Mm. what you believe is a good cause but I think it does probably even in in the beginning you have good intentions and you're like yeah I'm like literally everything you just said but then when it comes down to it and you're not seeing the income and the stuff like I think that's probably where people are at that kind of crossroads where they're like do I start kind of bending a little bit so that I can Mm. bring in a bit more revenue streams because if I open my audience up and 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 it's not an easy decision to make because Mm. when you're faced with the challenges of am I going to survive this month yeah yeah it it can be but again if nobody takes a stance then we'll always be here saying there's not enough representation for us yeah and no one else is going to do it more than ourselves because you can't rely on someone external to understand your cultural needs so Mm -hmm. yeah it's quite um quite an interesting um conversation and I'm sure you could be here all day talking about it but you was talking about your marketing stuff so did you pay for advertising and things like that to promote yourself or was it very much organic it was definitely organic um I think I've only done like two Instagram ads um and maybe one Facebook one but yeah it's all pretty much been very organic so I sell on like Etsy as well as my own website so a lot of people would come from via Etsy because Etsy have their own sort of like marketing thing that works really well for them and through the Etsy shop I had a few sort of like press features in like 2016 2017 and then that brought more people and then it just yeah the more events that I did sort of like increased my audience a lot more it was interesting though because in the beginning it was mainly like um American okay um so I would sell more to the U.S. and have more like U.S. based followers than U.K. and I think it's just America's huge (laughs) yeah in terms of the population Um, anyway yeah yeah, it's humongous so it it was just sort of because of that ratio I think but the more events that I did in the UK then the more sort of in terms of sales and followers it grew bit by bit um, just by doing more events meeting more people and yeah just being consistent in terms of my well in the beginning in terms of like my posting on social media now it's a lot less consistent but the world is a dumpster fire so and Instagram has it's why. a lot as well so like when yeah. you're, you're talking about in terms of the old Instagram versus the new Instagram actually let's touch on that what mm. you being someone that started some years ago now compared to now what have you noticed are the challenges in terms of like just even getting followers has the numbers continued or has it decreased a lot and all that kind of thing um I think yeah it in terms of getting followers I feel like it's the same but in terms of do they actually see your posts? They don't. Like when you look at the, so you have like likes, um, saved comments, and then you can also see on your analytics, like where your posts reached and how many people actually saw it. And then how many of those people that saw it actually liked it or commented or whatever. And then when you see like your reach compared to what your followership count actually is, it's so minimal. And I understand that lots of people are probably following, you know, thousands of different accounts. And there's only so many um, accounts that you'll see in your feed. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like when they change, like first it was chronological order that you would see. And then they changed that to something else. And 
they keep sort of making changes to make the, uh, the app more I guess they want it to be more like a marketplace or they want um, people to pay more for certain things. So like, okay, if my followers aren't seeing my post then I'll do an ad because more people will see my post that way or, or something like that. But yeah, it's just, it's a lot that you have to do because you can't just post a picture and go anymore. There's so much that they want you to do to like create content for Instagram through like reels or stories or the posts. But obviously they know that if you're on Instagram, you're probably on all these other social media apps as well. So it's like they want you to create different content for each different app. Yeah. Because I remember reading now that Instagram penalizes if you create a video on TikTok and you upload that same TikTok video to Instagram via reels, then it won't get seen. They'll shadow ban you because they want you to create something completely new for Instagram Reels. Yeah, so you can, I think as long as it has like the TikTok um, watermark on the video, then they'll shadow ban it. And it's like, like I get it, there's people whose entire jobs are to create content for different social media apps, but that that is still, that would still be a 24-7 job if you had to create specific content for TikTok, specific content for Instagram, specific content for Twitter. It's, It's too much. Yeah, I don't, it kind of seemed, before it was more about like sharing your content, building a community. And I think that's come completely away from what it is mm-hmm. now. This is how it is. Social media apps come and go. Yeah. So you just have but to I think sure. it's hard though, if you're a, a startup and yeah. you just want to do a specific thing. And like you said, now you've got the added pressures of, I've got to create content here. Even trying to then decide decipher which platform is going to work for you and and ultimately yeah. in the beginning a lot of the time it's trial and error so now yeah. that's taking away from the actual passionate side which might be mm-hmm. I don't know putting out music or you know selling your 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 goods or your service and stuff like that so it puts a lot of pressure on people starting off because now you're thinking I've got to have a marketing budget and maybe you, yeah. you don't even have enough money even just to do the thing that you like doing in the first place mm-hmm. so it, I, I, like you said yes yeah, social media does come and go but I think business is is always a transaction and that transaction is money I mm. get that but I still think there needs to be some kind of ethical value as well knowing that issues for startups is capital mm. so do you get what I mean even though social media ads might be a bit cheaper on some platforms I think of LinkedIn LinkedIn marketing like to pay for uh, ad is like it starts I think about 25 or 50 pounds or something like that I can't remember what I saw before and you're just thinking uh, for per week for some people that's a lot of money like like yeah versus Instagram I think you can set some like a daily rate from about a pound or a couple of pounds or something and it will tell you how many people it will reach and so forth but that's a big transition and I know for me doing coaching LinkedIn's mm. more my platform than IG mm-hmm. So already you're thinking, oh, wow, I'm up against all these big corporations and just trying to be like seen. And and that's quite difficult when you're um, self-employed and you're trying to do things by yourself. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's quite a challenge, I think. I think social media is a challenge for a lot of people. Um, So, yeah, like moving on in regards to like you talked about events then. I know I've seen you at Afropunk London, but have you, Mm. you know, let's talk on like international markets. Like what has that been been like for you? What kind of, you know, tips and advice could you offer to other people? Obviously, when we're out of the pandemic (laughs) and they're thinking about doing events and stuff like that. So, yeah, I've done a couple of events in Paris, a couple in um, Brussels, um, I think if there's anywhere else no I think it is just like Paris and Brussels and I like 
pre-pandemic I was planning on going to New York last year to do a few events and then obviously that didn't happen Mm. but yeah I just once I realized that I had a lot of customers and followers in like different European countries as well as the US and Canada then I was like it's important for me to to do those events and to speak to people and not just customers but also other like business owners and like create connections that way and I like traveling anyway so it was just it just made sense um, at the time that I did them I would say you just kind of have to like people shop very differently in different places so you just have to be mindful of that the way you would have a sales pitch in, in a market in London would be completely different to a market in Paris yeah the way like Londoners and like Parisian shop is very different I just found that just being flexible to whatever it was going to be on the day was very important. Yeah, and knowing, obviously knowing a little bit of the language Mm. and just being open to whatever's going on. People want to know about you. They want to know about your journey. They want to know about your story. And you need to be able to communicate that. So like knowing a few words in the language (laughs) or having someone interpret for you. (laughs) Have you had to do that then? That's yeah cool. but it's it's always been like another like business owner who's on like the store next to me and I'm like okay. um can you please <laughs> <laughs> interpret this for me yeah yeah but I yeah it's... Find the market then in Paris was that was that uh, like in terms of what was the cultural differences in terms of selling then and and talking to people um I feel like in the UK they want like a sales spiel they want a little bit of a pitch they want a little bit of like a back and forth whereas in Paris it was more like people they didn't need that they just sort of yeah they would want if you could you know if you could carry on a conversation they would want to speak but for the most part they were just like oh this is cute how much is it okay here's the money bye (laughs) Mm -hmm. like it wasn't um they didn't need the whole um like life story that sometimes can happen here which is I don't know like I think um because of the way I am like I don't I'm a friendly person but at the same time it's like you know sometimes when it's you're like in the freezing cold <laughs> you're outside at a market you don't need to have like the whole like 20 minute conversation and then after that the first one's like good luck bye a lot of energy <laughs> yeah yeah um, but it's fine it's just kind of it is what it is you just kind of have to roll with it You're listening to the Career Coach Podcast, bringing you information, lived experiences and all round career conversation. But in terms of like then, so how like talk us through the process. So you've seen an event across the world in a different country Mm -hmm. and you're like, you've got you because you've got quite a lot of stuff now. You do a lot of different things, which we'll talk on like the the different types of products that you have. Mm. But what what do you decide to take packing everything like all of that? Like, what's that like? Um, So it usually depends on what the um, event is Mm -hmm. and if I've like made sales to that area before sort of looking back at okay what is actually sold and just making sure I take like a little bit of everything like I kind of know that pins will always tend to do well, tote bags tend to do well and greeting cards as well so um, packing mainly most that. I usually try and have a like a packing list so I know how much of everything I'm taking and then I also try and like I always do a little spreadsheet of like, this is what I'm taking. This is how much it costs. This is the exchange rate. If I sell everything, this is how much money I'll make. Yeah. And I do that sort of, it's almost like a manifestation thing for me just to be like, just to put it out there that I want to sell out. I never do. <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened yet, but it's just good to have like that goal. 
and then just to see it like written down tangible just to have it in the back of your mind and then packing yeah just making sure everything's properly packed obviously it was a lot easier pre-Brexit to just sort of hop on a Eurostar and then yeah either be in Paris in a couple Mm -hmm. of hours or Brussels in a bit longer I always get stopped at um, customs though really (laughs) yeah not when I'm going there it's always on the way back (laughs) like but you let me in so do they have to go through all your things then to check what's inside yeah um, I remember Um, I was coming back from an event in Paris and I got stopped and they were like, you've got so much metal in your bags. Why do you have so much metal? Because of all the pins. So I had to like empty everything out, you know, shove underwear out of the way and like open all the pins. And then they were like, okay, do you make this stuff? I'm like, yeah. And they were like, oh, it's so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Can I get on the train? (laughs) Like, I mean, are you going to pay for me to get another train if I miss it? (laughs) Yeah, like great you're not gonna throw me in prison but I have a train to catch yeah. um so yeah it's just allowing for that as well just giving yourself time allowances making sure that I have sort of I know what the prices are in different currencies and then having a little explanation about each thing in in the other language so it's a lot um, of preparation then that's a lot yeah it, it is but it's worth it because it's just it's just really nice to see how people react to your work in other places mm-hmm. and to see also what's going on in other places. So like meeting other like French illustrators or designers or other like creatives and business owners and seeing what they're doing there and how you can like either work together or it, or even if you don't work together, just to see what they're doing. Yeah, just building um, that network, I guess, isn't yeah. it? Really? Yeah. And in regards to like payments, then do you mm. deal with like, do you have a specific type of like card payment system? Do you take cash? Like, could you have to exchange money so that you've got change mm. and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, when I first started going, I would make sure that I had change. I think I would exchange like a hundred pounds into like euros just to make sure I had that change. And then the second and the, the last couple of times that I've been, I just took a card reader. I think it was Izettle at the time were the only ones that would allow you to... No, it wasn't Izettle. It was... What is... There's Izettle Square and the other one. Because PayPal has one as well, isn't it? Yeah, but PayPal have... I didn't like their rates. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Hard. I'm quite high. Yeah. But anyway, I can't remember what they're called, but um, it's like a little, it's not square, but they were like a little square payment terminal. Mm-hmm. And you would just email them like a week before you went and say, I'm going to a market across these few days. It will be in this location. I'm going to take this currency. And then they would automate it so that your card reader could collect those payments. Okay. And they were the only ones that did that. Yeah, because no one else was doing that at the time. So um, that was why I used them instead of iZettle. I think I prepared iZettle's payment system. So they, you do an event on Friday and you get the money the week after. They sort of collate all the payments together. Whereas this other one, if people paid in Visa, they would pay you on one day. And then the next day they'd give you all the MasterCard payments. And then oh, okay, on yeah. another day, yeah, it was a little bit more staggered, which mm. I didn't really like, but they were the only ones that did international payments. So yeah. I had to just use them. Yeah, I think those are the kind of things that you have to consider when you're doing a business. And again, what about things like paying for stools and stuff like that? Because different events, like I know I've seen Afropunk ones that are quite popular. Stools can be quite expensive and stuff. When Mm -hmm. you first started out, did you stick to more local events then versus going international until you built up some revenue streams? To be honest, like the first couple of years, I did lots of events. Mm -hmm. Probably too many, if I'm honest. There were some that just 
they just weren't good yeah. <laughs> in terms of it yeah it just didn't feel like the organizers really cared whether you sold or made money or not they just you know they take your store fee and then good luck yeah. <laughs> um whereas other ones you could tell that they'd put time and effort into like creating a marketplace that people would actually want to come into they made sure that um they'd walk around and be like are you okay do you need this do you need that and like try and bring people as much as possible into the space but you don't know what a market's going to be like until you actually do it so yeah. I, I kind of just had to do different ones and see how it was and it's just it's so hit and miss some days are good some days are bad but you just have to um I guess what you want to take out of it is is different to each individual business owner some people will be more focused on sales some people will be more focused on like making actual like connections mm-hmm. and I guess I'm focused on like both because I've done some events that, you know, the sales weren't great, but then I connected with someone and we worked together on something else. or they saw an opportunity come up for something and then they put me forward, stuff like that. So it's it's, it's a tricky one with store fees because I know that, it, especially in London, event spaces aren't cheap. So I can understand certain fees, but then sometimes you're like taking the piss a bit. <laughs> <laughs> nah. I don't know why you're charging that for a table. I guess it's like what the important thing to consider is you have to just go out there and see what works for you and um, yeah. it will be hit and miss. But again, you have to just take the learning out of the experience. So in terms of like, you know, you crafting your skills and be becoming a better illustrator, like what kind of software do you use? So from your your, your early days and then like as you've advanced, like what do you use now? Uh, when I started, I... Um... I think I did like the Adobe like 30 day free trial okay yeah <laughs> but then after that I was like I couldn't really afford to be paying I think I, they've changed it now now you have to sort of pay monthly but at the time it was you could pay a one-off payment of like I don't know I think it was like a hundred and something pounds and you'd get like photoshop forever but they don't do that anymore of course not <laughs> <laughs> it's all subscription based yeah. now but yeah, I couldn't afford that. So I was using, uh, what is it called? Open source software. So like um, I was using GIMP. Okay, which, yeah. GIMP is yeah. Free. yeah, it's quite yeah. good. Yeah. There's like an open version of Photoshop. And mm. then um, someone else had told me about Inkspace. Okay. Or Inkscape. Inkscape, which is sort of a, an open source version of Illustrator. Yes, yeah, so I was using those two. And then after a while, I was just like, I can afford to now. So I'll just pay for the Photoshop and Illustrator subscription. But yeah, there's there's still so much that I have to learn about it. I know, yeah, I, I feel like the way that I create my illustrations and artworks is really long-winded. Like if I ever did a tutorial about it, people would be like, why are you doing it this way? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the right way. It's what works for me now. Um, yeah. But I've seen a few different like Skillshare courses that I think I definitely want to do like when I have a bit of time in the next few months just to boost, yeah, boost my skills on um, Illustrator, especially there's my knowledge of it is so basic. I don't know. There's a lot more that I can do with it. And in regards to like how you started to feel confident enough, like in your images and stuff like that how long was that process before you was like actually I want to start creating now products and putting my Mm -hmm. prints on things it wasn't that long it was a few months and it was only because I I wasn't aware that you could actually do that yeah first I started off with prints because I just thought you know that's what everyone does and then Mm -hmm. the more sort of illustrators that I was following on like Instagram and Tumblr and like seeing oh you can also do greeting cards and uh button badges and tote bags and things like that and then 
once I found like the world of enamel pins then like everything changed us like oh my god (laughs) this is amazing yeah there's just so much you can do but then it it can become um it can be tricky because you feel like you have to do everything and you have to like throw your illustrations on lots of products which is what I did initially which was a mistake because I didn't obviously not everything's going to sell or not everything's going to sell in the time frame that you you want it to some things take a bit longer and I just wasn't giving myself that time so now I, I like scale things back a lot so I'll only release like one or two things at a time sometimes people want certain things they'll be like oh we really want mugs and I'm like but will you buy it though? <laughs> like, <laughs> like maybe I think you people, but then it's like yeah, point yeah, yeah. You have to sort of know when something will. It's hard because you you really don't until you actually release it, and then you'll see like how people respond to it. But I don't always. It sounds bad, but I don't think you should always let your customers dictate what um, your products are. If it doesn't fit in line with what you do, then yeah, it doesn't make sense. Or you don't need to do it straight away. You can like build it up over time. I think it, it sort of, sometimes it feels like people want overnight success and it's like, that can be great, but it's also difficult to keep up. I'm quite happy to be like chugging along. Because <laughs> yeah, I know that I'm in this for the long haul. So it's it, it, it's fine if it takes a little bit longer, but I build a sustainable base. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's important. Sustainable is like the key word. When you think of businesses, out there and you see established since 1960 something and you know mm-hmm. and you see that it's like been passed down through different generations it's refreshing to hear you say that, that you're in it for the long run and you're not feel like there's like a, a, an immediate rush to have to be able to do all these amazing things at once and actually let me take my time and build a sustainable business because that's the whole point it should be sustainable So in regards to your business, have you been self-employed for a certain period or was you working on the side or are you still working now? I've been self-employed since 2017. So about three, is it three years now? Yeah, for about three years now. And yeah, and before that I was um, working part-time. I was working in a school. So I was um, like a cover administrator. So I'd book in like supply teachers. So I was working from like seven till two yeah well yeah first it was like seven till 12 and then it was like seven till two and then after that I would like I had a studio space in Old Kent Road and I would go there and just work on whatever I was working on at the time yeah and just balancing that and after I think I was there for a year and then it just got to the point where I was doing more and more like Dorcas Creates work and I just thought I need to even though it wasn't 100% like sustainable I was living at home so it wasn't too bad like I was contributing to bills but I wasn't like paying like London rent or anything yeah um <laughs> so it wasn't too bad and I was like okay I've I can still um I'm making enough that I can like take this leap of faith and then just put more time and energy and effort into this to like to grow it basically mm-hmm. um and that was in like beginning of 2018 no beginning of 2017 was when I went like full-time self-employed and how was that even though you had the comfort of being at home but was it still a daunting space to be in or was it like no I'm I'm ready to do this I'm excited like let's get it (laughs) (laughs) no it was it was um it was both because even though I'm at home it was like I was working out of my bedroom so like I had my my bed on one side and then the other side was like my desk I had like two desks and like all my like shelving for like products and stuff it's really difficult it's hard enough to work from home is like insane when like your bed is on one side and your work is on the other yeah 
I don't even know how I was doing it because um, I had to do that again the past couple of years when I moved out of my parents' house and so, so difficult to just um, get in the right mind space to work. Um, you just always feel, well, not, yeah, you just always feel like you're working mm-hmm. and that I, like, I always felt like I didn't have um, enough time to like wind down and just not think about it. So I would always procrastinate and put stuff off until like last minute which sometimes it's like yeah do my best work and other times it's like I'm stressing myself out for no reason (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's my own fault for putting things off for so long whereas now where I live now like I have my office space and then I have like my bedroom which is completely separate so I I didn't realize it until like last week just how much easier it is to like get up in the morning you know shower get dressed make coffee and then come into the room to work Mm. rather than like I wake up first thing I see oh the pile of stuff that I've got to send (laughs) oh (laughs) the sketch that I need to finish (laughs) and I just roll over and like yeah I can't deal with this right now but Mm. now it's a lot easier to just get straight into work that separation of like work and rest is so so much easier now but obviously, if you can't, when you know, a few years ago when I was living at home, I couldn't do that. So I just had to find ways around it and sort of almost trick myself into, um, you know, sitting down, doing this work for however many hours. And then, you know, I can go out to like the cinema with my friends or whatever. And then I didn't have a proper routine. It was it was quite bad, actually. It was a lot of my day was basically like 80 percent work, <laughs> like to all sorts of hours, which you kind of fool yourself into thinking like, you know, this is just what every startup every founder has to do and it's like you're going to burn out and you're going to do more harm to yourself if you um if you just don't rest and especially like the past year with like everything going on and time losing all sense of meaning (laughs) you're just like you it's become so important for me to just listen to my body because you know if I'm not well I can't (laughs) I can't work <laughs> and unfortunately it's, it's Dorcas creates it's not anyone else creates <laughs> so <laughs> if I don't do it <laughs> so yeah it's, it's that whole like work-life balance has become so 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 important to me especially now and like even you just touched on like last year even now we're still in lockdown mm. especially in the UK we're in tier four but yeah so how was 2020 for you so it, like it's been a creative and like being inside yeah what was that what was that whole process was it a challenge or did you think actually no it's given me time to tap in more to my creativity it was difficult because like even though I'm like a bit of a hermit (laughs) I do um I'm I'm not one of those people that's like here there everywhere all the time but I did enjoy like going to concerts going to plays like spending time with my friends so in the beginning, I was like, oh, this is fine. I'm at home half the time anyway. This isn't going to be that bad. Mm-hmm. But then it just sort of, because you can't actually go anywhere, <laughs> it was a lot. And I think I spent the first, um, yeah, the first few months was definitely like just me in bed, <laughs> mm-hmm. just watching every TV show under the sun. Like I just couldn't do anything. And I wasn't even getting that many orders at first as well, because I guess everyone sort of, you don't know what's going on the mm. last thing you want to be doing is, is spending money on things that you don't necessarily need so it was a bit difficult at first and then after like the first few months I was like okay let me like try and get back into some kind of work routine and then sort of June and July happened and that was it was so it was so odd because it was like um, the George Floyd case the Breonna Taylor case 
and I'd become so used to like seeing like hashtag of the week or someone's name of the you know week or the month and then I was like oh people are actually paying white people are actually paying attention and listening this time it was really bizarre and then it flipped from sort of paying attention and listening and you know amplifying and all the other like buzzwords that they used at the time and then Mm -hmm. it grew to like support black businesses so that those two months of like June July and a little bit of August huge like growth in sales and it freaked me out a little bit and I felt like I was just a bit strange like obviously you want growth you want um, more sales you want more followers it all happened so quickly and it all happened off the back of like terrible events that it, it, it just felt really strange at the time but yeah it, it was it was good to like have all those cells and like have something to do to like take my mind off of off of everything and then there was others like black business owners that I was speaking to um, at the time and they sort of felt the same way so I was like okay it's not just me that like feels a bit strange about this whole situation so yeah that went on for a few months and then I moved out of London and that I had to like shut the shop for a little while and like retreat off social media for a little while because I wasn't well for a little bit so it just I just had to take that time yeah and so since I guess since December I've been trying to like get back into things and get back into like a routine of work not necessarily a routine of like posting or um and just trying to figure out a way to still like connect with the audience that I've built up yeah but in a way that's not like detrimental to me in terms of like feeling like I have to always be creating something or Mm. or posting something constantly I'm trying to figure out a way to um like yeah connect with the audience but on my own terms I'm thinking about I had a Patreon for a little bit. I'm thinking maybe I should have another one or maybe I should just be like put more effort and emphasis on like my newsletter, but not in like the spammy way that, you know, when you sign up to like an online shopping platform. Like every then... other day and it's like. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> not like that at yeah. all. But you, yeah, trying to find doing online workshops then like people are at home wanting to draw. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Like I, I think there's definitely like, yeah, I need to figure out how I would do it and what I want to do because I'm not sure I'd necessarily want it to be drawing but then that could just be me just like feeling self-conscious <laughs> yeah, yeah. um yeah I want to find a way to just be like hang with me for an hour kind of yeah, thing yeah. Um, yeah I think that would be um better and and then it's just you rely less on like whatever app is like flavor of the month or whatever and yeah. you you just have more um control back on how you want to reach out to people and connect with them let them know what you're doing your processes how things are going and making them feel included in like your your journey as as a business or as a creative yeah it's like having your own community isn't it and mm. when you tell your community like this is what's going on they're there to support and build you up and mm-hmm. and also do do the advertising for you but moving on, so like, what are some of the highlights that, you know, when you look back, you think, yeah, well done, girl. Like, I, I really did that. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, I'm trying to think of like a project that I worked on. That I was like, that was a lot of work. Okay, so, yeah. So like um, beginning of last year, um, I did a project with Fair Trade, and that was really cool. Um, it was a lot of work, but they were really lovely to work with in terms of like deadlines and stuff. And the woman that was like the liaison, uh, Sarah, she was really lovely to um, like getting feedback from her and like the rest of the team and how helpful they were. Because sometimes you can work with like different clients and it's it doesn't feel like it's a like symbiotic relationship. It doesn't feel like we're working together. 
it, it kind of feels like you're their slave <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah it's, it's just not nice sometimes um, I really value those kind of commissions where they recognize that you're a human being <laughs> and if they're going to email you at 10 p.m on a Friday you're not going to respond until Monday morning and yeah. that is normal <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so that was that was really cool um, I had to create a lot of different types of illustrations for them and create like this um, sort of booklet which I hadn't done something like that before so it was fun to do it daunting but yeah still like quite fun yeah to be honest it's like every I really like like meeting people in person and then just just chatting just about not necessarily what I do but just just random just random stuff so I don't work in like an office environment anymore I'm I'm just by myself a lot so um yeah pre-pandemic it was it was quite nice to like get out and like talk to other people that was like my favorite part of it and like seeing like their reactions to um, my illustrations and my work and like meeting people who look like the illustrations was is always like insane <laughs> <laughs> um because I don't really base it on I I use like reference images but I don't like base it on anyone in particular it's always like you know the eyes from this image the nose from that image or just trying to recreate a pose but not not necessarily really a face okay yeah so when I do see people that look like them I'm like that is so insane <laughs> like I created this thing <laughs> out of like thin air yeah just I think that's what has like made me the most proud like obviously it's fun getting like press features and like finding like celebrities with like certain things like I remember um Danielle Brooks from Orange is the New Black she had um, one of my pins once like someone sent me a post that she did mm. and I was like how did she like what yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when did this happen um so now sometimes I get orders and I'm like mm, I wonder if, <laughs> yeah, like, if that's that like person? a pseudonym for something yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, stuff like that. It is quite nice. And just getting, um, when there's people that I admire and that I like look up to and I already love their work and then they like say the same thing back to me, that's always like just, it's just really nice to like have the like respect of your peers as well. And so, you know, if someone's thinking about getting into illustration, uh, especially now with the lockdown and stuff, like a lot of people are obviously considering new roles, new industries or just taking up new hobbies, what Mm. kind of tips and advice would you give to someone and where could they start? I think being consistent is is really important. It's so um, like basic, but you do actually like, especially with illustration. You, I don't necessarily think you have to draw every day, but I think having some kind of drawing schedule is important, um, and just setting that time aside, and not necessarily to create a masterpiece, but just something simple. Like if you find a reference image on like Instagram or Pinterest or just on the internet, and just taking and you know setting yourself little challenges like let me see if I can draw how much of this can I draw in 10 minutes how much can I do in half an hour um not being afraid of it looking ugly like the first time round. yeah I think that's something that I struggle with all the time I'm just like oh it has to be perfect the first time and mm. it's like no <laughs> no it doesn't yeah I think just having that consistency and setting that time aside is really important and being open to, you know, the first time you do something, it's not going to be amazing. And that's fine. You give yourself that time to learn and to develop and to progress. Yeah. And would you say to start off with things that you like might have an interest in or just literally or anything that you see that all comes to mind? I think both. I think, yeah, it's good to something that you're interested in that you could actually sit down and you'd happily do it for a couple of hours. And then just to set yourself things that, maybe a little bit outside of your comfort zone because the more you do it 
then the better your your skill level will get yeah um so you don't get sort of stuck and don't feel like you have to have a specific drawing style or it has to all or your illustrations all have to look a certain way there's lots of different um, artists and illustrators whose work is quite varied and quite broad and I think that's fine um I think it's I, yeah I think it's it's great to be like recognizable like someone can look at an illustration and be like yeah that's definitely that person but if you are gifted in being able to like have multiple styles and I think that's great <laughs> yeah and in regards to should they just start with like pen and paper or pencil or whatever or going mm. straight on to like a graphic software like what where can you start first um I guess whatever you're comfortable with I still draw with like pencil and pen and then scan it into the um, computer and then just edit it on photoshop I'm trying to um I have a drawing tablet and I am trying to like get more proficient with that but um I just need to give sit down <laughs> take my own advice and sit down and give myself the time to do it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's some good advice there guys and you can pick those up those kind of especially like a pen and pencil yeah. paper those things are relatively cheap um so don't like stress yourself to go and take up like a trial and then you forget and then like the first payment comes out and you're like <laughs> so just put, start, off, <laughs> yeah. start off with something that's like you know you couple of quid and then you just kind mm-hmm. of go from there so on a um, final note where can we find your amazing art I know I've got some of your art at, at home um <laughs> been a fan of your stuff for quite a while actually and you've done commissioned work for me for my project so yeah so where, where can we find you I am online I sell on Etsy so it's just dorcascreates.etsy.com and then also just dorcascreates.com my website and I'm mainly on Instagram at the moment who knows for how long for but yeah I'm on Instagram just dorcascreates and it's the same handle on Twitter Um, my Twitter is not very interesting I just sort of like retweet stuff that makes me laugh and then um, sign up to my newsletter I think is probably the best way um I promise to be more consistent on it this year, but um, that will be where you'll find um, most of uh, like information and up-to-date info about me. So, yeah. Well, thank you. So you've heard it there, guys. If you're someone that's looking at career in illustration or in arts, some great tips and advice as always. Uh, don't forget, I've got a new segment coming up called Ask the Coach, where you get a chance to send in your career-related questions. And myself and other coaches in the industry will be able to give you some tips and advice. So you can do that by sending me a voice note on IG, or you can go on the Anchor app and you can also record straight away and it will come through to me. So until next time, guys, it's been great.